just past 7 o'clock, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about tonight here on Ira on Sports 95.9, the true oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo and Ira. We knew it happened quickly. We knew there'd be a lot of dominoes falling into place, but did you think the uh, first minutes of, of NBA free agency would be quite as wacky as it was? Well, I, I totally did not see it coming at all. I mean, and why I didn't even see it coming was at 6 o'clock, I was still on the water. I was in Cape May, New Jersey, and on jet skis with dolphins flying over the jet skis, <laughs> so, like taking pictures of dolphins with my girlfriend and then my friends. And, we're, mm. and I'm like, I'll get back by about 6.30, 7 o'clock, and then we'll start to hear some stuff. I knew what was going to come out. You heard the reports. But I, I mean, we talked about Kevin Durant was going to meet with teams. Kawhi Leonard was going to meet with teams. And I thought that because those two were going to meet with teams, that there was going to be sort of a freeze. Like, we're not going to see this rapid as – no one's going to announce anything because they want to see where Durant's going to go. Maybe the trades can be – like, no one's – wow. I mean, and it, it started right when I was at the dock around 5, 5 o'clock when they made the announcement that Durant goes, I'm making a decision tonight. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize his decision was 6 o'clock. <laughs> and it, it, as much as I was surprised, I heard that Steph Curry, who was in China – boarded a plane and said, look, I'm going to land in New York Sunday night. I'm going to go out to dinner with Kevin Durant. We're going to have a nice conversation. He's in the plane flying, and they, here's the announcement. Kevin Durant is not coming back to Golden State. You have no shot. He still landed. He still went to dinner. But the fact is is that I think everyone was sort of taking the speed. Um, I had complained that we talked about too much. Everyone was talking too much about the moves and things during the season. But – all this probably was getting done. I mean, mm -hmm. technically, they don't have to sign anything for another week. This is only, but these things had been in place. There was been a lot of movement during the season, and virtually every free agent, a major free agent, now is gone. They're off the board on a Sunday, except for the maybe this first or second best is Kawhi Leonard, mm -hmm. and that's what we're all waiting to see, which is going to be the major domino. But I was shocked by the speed. I was shocked by how those teams. And it's interesting when you didn't see the Lakers make the moves. When you just said the Lakers, they only have three players on their team. That's all they have. Why aren't they signing anybody? Then you wait, wait, they are in the mix for Kawhi Leonard. Like that's when you knew they weren't signing anybody. They weren't doing any signings because they're like, we're saving all our money. We're going to sign Kawhi. We're, that's when I saw, and you see in Vegas right now, they're the favorite to get Kawhi Leonard. This will be one of the greatest super teams ever created between Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Kawhi Leonard if it happens. And it, or he goes to Toronto. And you could still see, he's very mercurial. People, we're going to have Howard Beck on at 730 mm. from Bleacher Report talking about this. Yeah, I can't wait to hear his. But I, it's like, you hear, I, I mean, they had on ESPN five pundits and they were all, I mean, everyone was either between uh, Toronto, uh, the Clippers, and the Lakers. It, it was crazy uh, how it played out. I wonder if any tampering, you know, we always say, that, um, you know, stuff's happening behind closed doors, and this seemed like clear-cut cases. Magic Johnson was fined for a lot less than this, and, you know, it seems like these deals are getting done, you know, before the season's even over. Yeah, I mean, there were four-way trades put together that somehow were, were a shock. But it was, I think, when Durant, Durant's domino set everything out, when he said he was going to go. And then and then you saw what Golden State did. We're going to go through this. And it's going to be exciting to go over. And I, I was pumped by, you know, as I said, I was on the water. And the, and the things are coming down. And we see it on the phone. What's happening is, like, one a dolphin's jumping, and there's another signing. It was great. <laughs> dolphins and whales being moved around. Yeah, the, the, only, uh, yeah, the only thing that moves are the uh, Miami Marlins. I guess that wasn't happening. And the Miami <laughs> Dolphins weren't making any moves either. So. No, no. No, of course not. Um, like you said, Howard Beck from Bleacher Report. Uh, he's going to join us right about 7.30 here on I Run Sports. Ira, where have you been this week? I, I didn't. This was a, a slow week. I'm getting ready, but we're going to get some baseball next week. Okay, let's talk about it. Um, you know, first and foremost, there's losers when stuff like this happens. And arguably the biggest loser is going to be the team that's been the biggest loser since 1973, it seems like. It's uh, the New York Knicks. And 
didn't get it done. I don't know the reasons why. I know it's coming out that they didn't want to offer um, Kevin Durant a max money contract, which we you know we don't know if that's true or not. But either way, uh, you got to consider them big losers here, I. And I I have to think that that excuse that they didn't want to offer. I mean, I agree. I, I heard Frank Isola this morning talk. He says if they if they could offer him a ten year billion dollar deal, they would have. I think it was one of those things that Durant says I'm not coming there. And Knicks and the Knicks were like, oh, we didn't really want him. Yeah, I mean, yeah exactly. You know, it's like the supermodel doesn't want to go out with you, but I didn't. She really was ugly want, anyway. I didn't, I didn't want her. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Like clearly that the, the Knicks. What they're not just losers. This is just with the biggest losers ever because they had they had tried to lose this year. They purposely lost. They didn't get the number one picks. They don't get Zion Williamson. Mm-hmm. Then they felt like, okay, we have all this cap space because all we heard for years was we don't have cap space. We have all these bad contracts. It's been a disaster. We can't sign LeBron. We can't sign whatever. And then nobody even wants to meet with them. They can't get Kemba Walker or Kyrie Irving, who have born and raised in New Jersey, like in the metropolitan area. Don't even want to sit down and say, hey, Knicks, show us around. Spike Lee can give a little talk. We have, it's amazing. And it's so funny because the Knicks, they, all their fan, friends are Knicks fans. I mean, Knicks, their season tickets are the most expensive by far, by like three really? times more yeah. the Lakers. Their, their money, they make more money than every, any NBA team by three, t- three levels because of their local TV contracts, the local radio contracts, the seats, have the cost of the seats. They could be horrendous. Even their games are horrendous, are still expensive. And they, co- they build themselves at the world's most famous arena, the Mecca. I mean, they are signing Bobby Portis, Julius Randle, <laughs> Taj Gibson, <laughs> Alfred Payton. I mean, the names are coming out. It's like, on, they are signing a D League team or yeah. a G League team. It's it's terrible. They are they 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 people didn't want to meet with them. Durant did it. It was amazing how the Knicks just and we'll ask Howard this question. But what happened and what made? I mean, it's it, it just can't be the owner or whatever. I mean, it's like it's New York. I mean, they're Durant is rehabbing in New York. I mean, he must see where the Knicks are, and and it is the most prestigious place you play on. The whoever goes to Madison Garden, it's written up in the ESPN. Every ESPN's right there. Mm-hmm. Everything is there, and it's like the biggest megaphone of showing yourself. I and mean, Kemba Walker wanted to go to Boston rather than go to New York. It, it is crazy to um to think like how the mighty have fallen. And you're right. It's almost like the Knicks are the ones billing themselves as this place everyone wants to play because nobody seems to want to play there. They're the ones spreading spreading these rumors for themselves. And the worst thing that happened to them was that the Nets then get yeah. Durant and Kyrie Irving. So so your little brother gets everything. I mean, it's un- how the, the Nets, who used to play in a swamp in New Jersey, who now play in Brooklyn, who the Knicks look down to. The Knicks, when, when the when the Nets had made a free agent signing years ago, they put a billboard up in front of the, the Knicks. The Knicks got the billboard taken down somehow. I mean, they, they're like, we can't even, we don't want to deal with the, with the Nets. And now the Nets are going to be with Durant and Kyrie Irving. And they got the, they got just one superstar, two of the superstars. And the, and the Knicks are signing... Bobby Portis, Taj Gibson, Alfred Payton, Julius Randle. I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, before we uh, move on and talk about uh, the Nets, because they are the talk of, uh, of sports today, do um, you think the two organizations are under attack for how they're handling injuries? Well, I think this – I think you saw – what happened to the Warriors. And I, now we're starting to see what happened to Durant. And Andre Godala came in and said, and just totally said, look, the, the Warriors didn't treat me right. I was injured. I had a fractured leg. That's what Durant, I mean, that was the warning signs from my, when he said that I'm saying, Oh my gosh, like the, like 
Kevin Durant might not go back to Golden State because, and that was really weird. And people then Andre Iguodala has been traded too mm-hmm. himself. So the Warriors are, but when he when because the Warriors hold themselves out as being not like the Knicks. We have a great owner. We're going to the best stadium in in basketball. Mm-hmm. We have the best training staff. We have everything. We are the perfect. We are the we are what everyone dreams to have as a team. We're light years ahead, as our owner said. We're light years ahead of the rest of the NBA. Well. Andre Goddard's like, look, I had a fractured leg. They played me. They pushed Durant into playing. Mm-hmm. And now you're so, when he said that, then I'm thinking, wait a second, there's something going on. Maybe Durant won't come back with them. And, and then I guess also I would say the Spurs, because the Spurs made no move, but you don't hear about the Spurs. This is a team that won five titles. This is a team that, that was this great team that had Kawhi Leonard, that had the best coach in the NBA, the best organization. Well, why aren't they signing the free agents? Why did the why did the player that everybody wants why did he leave them mm. and because they didn't like how he was handling their injuries and I guess it's going to come back we had Richard Shore on a couple of weeks ago he's handling the injuries and how you it's very important in the load manage all these other factors that come into that I don't think players before were looking at uh, the training staffs uh, is 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 a factor seven fifteen it's Iron Sports this is ninety five nine the True Oldies Channel I'm Mike Balsamo at seven thirty Howard Beck from Bleacher Report joins us going to be plenty to talk about with him I'm sure he's been busy. Uh, last couple of hours. Um, Ira, let's talk about Kawhi real quick because Chris Broussard, who's arguably the most in-touch NBA pundit that there is, came out and said that the Lakers are now the favorites to get Kawhi Leonard, which I would have thought a month ago was just absolutely ridiculous. But what are you thinking here? Well, he had... had Every indication was he didn't want to play with LeBron. You kept hearing that from his camp. People said, I don't want to play with LeBron. But he's from Los Angeles, grew up in Los Angeles, played for the Clippers, I mean, played for San Diego State. He likes LA, has houses in in San Diego. Um, If he was going to go to Toronto, people said he would go to the Clippers. But it just seems like now he is, everyone feels like he, the Lakers not making a move. Um, Supposedly Magic Johnson's reaching out to him. This is interesting. And he's like, he's trying to talk to, LeBron and him are having these conversations. It's like, will you defer to me? You know, and of course LeBron's going to say, of course I would defer to you. Why would LeBron not say that? But I do think they'd work out well. Like I like, like Kawhi Leonard is not someone who says, it's not like he have to have the ball in his hands all the time. You saw him with Toronto. He he had the ball when he needed to in the times. But I see them. I, I mean, LeBron doesn't, it's not a ball hog. I mean, mm-hmm. he passes the ball, averages 10 assists a game. And Anthony Davis is a rebounder. They play different positions. I mean, very similar, but even a better mesh than Wade, uh, LeBron, and Bosch. Because I think the way that LeBron plays now is different than how he used to play. Absolutely. And I think Kawhi defers more than even how Wade defers. So I, I think it is. And also defensively, you have LeBron as a great defensive player. Kawhi is a great defensive player. Anthony Davis is a great defensive player. And you have Kuzma. This seems gonna be favored to win the title, so I think that's what's interesting. But I was people were surprised. But look, the great thing is that Kawhi Leonard does it. He's already been the best player of the team. He's been a two-time NBA Final MVP, and LeBron has also. They don't have to prove anything. Like I can win my team on my own. Not like the Kevin Durant situation where I have to prove I can win a title as being the best player on the team. So why not? And and the idea is that they that Kawhi wants to play sixty games. He wants load management. He doesn't want to play all the games. And I think LeBron and Anthony Davis, they get hurt too. They're thinking is, look, guys, you don't, we don't have to play all 80. We can take it easy. We don't have to – we have three stars on a team right now. So I think he's thinking about that. If he goes to the Clippers, he doesn't have another star. Goes back to Toronto, he knows it's a great situation for him. But I think – boy, I mean, he's from Los Angeles. He knows the power of the, of the Lakers. To be the king of L.A., I mean, he's a young player. I mean, for like the next seven years, he could be the, the, the main guy with LeBron. I mean, I, there's, there's – that's enticing for him. So The only thing that – would prevent me from thinking that is because he is such an oddball and, and he just seems to me like he he shy like whereas Kevin Durant um you know in his mental state 
he was like weak and fragile and wanted to go to the Warriors to get that that championship. Kawhi seems like the opposite to me. He's a, just like a very do-it-yourself type of guy, which is why I thought he'd be staying in Toronto and not going to that spotlight. But he doesn't. I think the thing is, he doesn't need to prove it anymore. No one's going to say he he went to he joined a team. I mean, they say it could be whatever move because the fact is is that he's already proven on two different teams that he could win it. He wins the Lakers. He's going to win the titles on three different teams, and he potentially is looking at LeBron being older and looking at him being the the more star of the team over mm-hmm. in the future coming forward. He could be the star of the Lakers. So I, there's part of that is uh, it's interesting to see which way. I mean, no one really understands this. This is a very uh, I think it's. I think it's going to be exciting to see, but he's taking his time. He's doing what I thought Durant was going to do, which mm-hmm. is he's interviewing with the teams. He's talking to people. He's the one person who's taking his time to figure out what to do. Yeah, and I, I would anticipate he gets signed within a day, but you know, just never know with this guy. Right. Um, with every huge loser like the Knicks, there's going to be a big winner, and you know maybe not this season, but going forward after this, they're going to be a perennial front runner to, to reach the finals from the East, and that's going to be the New York Nets. Three years ago, the Nets— Brooklyn were, Nets. Brooklyn Nets were as dead as an NBA team has ever been. They had just won 21 games. They had, no, they had traded all their players to Boston. They traded their 2014, 16, 18, and 17 draft picks for Pierce and Garnett, who ended up not being that good. So what happened is they made the worst trade in the world because not only did they made this trade, be thinking they're saying, oh, we're going to be a superstar team. We don't, who cares about our top draft picks? But then they became bad and the draft picks became valuable. So it was like the worst thing. They had no players. But wow, I mean, they brought in Kenny Atkinson as coach, who really was not well known in the league at all, no, yeah. and mostly known for coaching high school basketball. And and they bring in Sean Marks, who had no experience being a GM, who was a first New Zealand uh, uh, player. And they went from winning 20 wins to 28 wins. And then suddenly they win 42 last year, losing their star player, Chris LaVert, who was out. Their ownership situation is a mess. Prokhorov is selling the team to Joseph Tsai, who's really so they really have no owner. They have a, a junior GM and a coach who's not that's not that is, is not Popovich or anything in the league. And somehow they got the two best two of the four best free agents. It's unbelievable. And and one of the things is look, they have the best training center in the NBA. They are they they is House Barclays itself. The, it's okay. I yeah, don't think, you don't love it, right? I don't love it because I think when they were building it, they were gonna make it fantastic and they cut they cut some costs there at the end. <laughs> but they but Kyrie wanted to play there and that's where he wanted to be. And I rather than the Knicks. And Durant then decided, well I have to play with him. It's sort of like when LeBron wanted everybody to go to Cleveland. They wanted Wade and Bosch to go to Cleveland with them and Wade's like I'm not going to Cleveland, and then, but then LeBron figured I have to go down there. So that's that's how that decided. I think Kyrie was sort of driving this, and they got DeAndre Jordan. Interesting is DeAndre Jordan played on the Knicks last year, had a bad experience, horrendous experience. Now they signed him for four years, forty million, totally not needing it, but they signed him because he likes he's friends with Kyrie and Kevin. They were playing the game right, mm-hmm. and I think that that helped in terms of what the everything was. I mean. It's amazing. Kevin Durant signed. He was offered five years, two hundred nineteen million dollars from the Warriors. The uh, he's actually leaving forty fifty seven million dollars on the Crazy. table. But his contract was even less than that. It's really like really like a hundred and thirty seven million. I mean, it's the way they did structured it because they get Jordan in. I mean, he must have left like eighty million dollars on the table. I was shocked by this move, yeah. and I'm shocked by what Kyrie did. It, it was it was tremendous. But you could see with Durant. The Warriors lost him on when they won the title last year, and the owners and the general manager Bob Myers said, "Well, uh, someone asked him during the thing during the the, the uh, PR guy for the team said in front of all the fans, it's like, boy, has Kevin earned a supermax contract down? And he goes, well, we'll see. He was joking, maybe a mid level. He goes, what about Steph? And he goes, well, of course he's a, a max con player because he's 
he's been here forever. And it was like a joke, but you don't joke about that. Like, when it's like Bob Myers should have been smarter about that. And as we talked about on my show, I feel how he handled the Durant injury. They didn't give him cover. They forced him to, they didn't force him to come back, but they didn't say, look, he's out for the playoffs. I think all that rubbed in the wrong way. The Draymond Green situation. And also, the, he is listening to the media. He doesn't like the fact that people said the two titles you won, they were really weren't your own. You just joined another team, but this wasn't yours. He felt like he didn't get enough respect from the Warriors. He didn't get respect from people out. And that's why he decided to leave $80 million on the table. It is absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, speaking of his former team, Ira, it's one of the more bizarre moves of, of this free agency period so far. I know there's never a shortage of scorers on a team, and there's never a shortage of shooters. D'Angelo Russell's a good player. I don't know how he fits at the Warriors. I don't know if it's their culture, the player. I just don't love this, but the Warriors have made a move for for a good player. Well, what happened is, is that it was the domino effect of point guards. Kyrie Irving leaves Boston, and he goes to and and he goes and and he goes to the Nets. Now, last year, the Nets point guard was D'Angelo Russell. Mm-hmm. Now, D'Angelo Russell comes in the league second pick in the draft. He was terrible for the Lakers for two years. They and, just, and a cancer. A cancer. He was He was the whole Facebook Live thing that Antonio Brown, he would record conversations. I mean, it was like, you're reading him, but then it's like, like a 12-year-old. Really? And then yeah. he comes to the Nets. He's hurt last year, the year before last. And then last year, Lavert goes down. It suddenly becomes this all-star, becomes a, a great player. He played, he played 81 games, averaged 21 points, seven assists. And he's now, people are really thinking he's shooting great. He looks like this great player. Uh, but they rather bring Kyrie Irving in rather than have D'Angelo Russell because Irving is a more proven player. And then at the same time, they bring Kyrie, and then Ke- we're going to go through everything. The dominoes effect was that Kemba Walker then goes to Boston, who then they Rozier goes to goes to Charlotte. But Russell, but I think the Warriors felt like they had to make a move. They had to do something because they were lo- when you lost Durant, they it had they they weren't going to have any, they couldn't sign anybody. So they felt like they had to bring Russell in. Now, they need scores. They don't have enough players. The Warriors are really now a weakened team without Klay Thompson because they really have Curry and, and Draymond Green. They don't really have scores. So I felt like, even though this doesn't make sense that much, the way they, they felt like, look, give him space. He could be a developing player. It's worth, They gave him a ton of money. I mean, it is it is, is four-year, $117 million contract for a player two years ago that people thought might have been out the league. Yeah. It's just amazing. Now, I know the money, but I felt like they had to make that trade. But the Warriors blew up their their, their thing. Andre Godala was traded. So Durant's not there. So this is going to be the, the empire has totally crashed. And if D'Angelo Russell proves to revert back to him his previous self, then this is going to be a disaster contract. And the Warriors are going to be out of the playoffs. No, you're, you're absolutely right. This is a high risk, potentially high reward here. Um, but they should have no shortage of uh, shooters on that team out in Golden State. Just about five minutes away from Howard Beck of Bleacher Report joining us here on Ira on sports. You know, Ira, another team that's going to look totally different for really only swapping out one player is going to be the Celtics. And whether that's in a good way or a bad way, they got Kemba Walker coming to town. I personally think that this is a great move for them, getting rid of the headache in Irving and getting up still a quality point guard. Well, I think it's what happened. They got lucky because the the Hornets offered, didn't offer, he was offered, he was able to get $221 million they were offering him like 160 for five years. Selks came in at four years, 140. So he felt like slightly played eight years, uh, uh, eight years for the Hornets. You remember he played one national championship for Connecticut, and he's been a third-team All-Star. And his numbers, like compare, he scored 25 points a game. Kyrie 24. He had 4.4 rebounds. Kyrie had five rebounds. He had six assists. Kyrie had seven. The, the shooting percentages are are equal. I mean, it's very similar. So, but the big difference is in the last four years, he's missed four games. Kyrie's missed 80. 
Big difference. Huge difference. And he's there. And he's not a problem. No one's ever said Kemba Walker's been a leader on that team. Kemba Walker has been fantastic. No one said a bad word. He plays every game, plays hurt. I mean, I think the Celtics are like, let's get back to having Tatum, having Brown, having Walker. Let's be a Brad Stevens run team. Let's have a Brad a Kyrie. Right. Having a Kyrie team. And they but they lost then they also lost Terry Rozier, but Rozier signed for twenty million dollars a year as a backup point guard and he really to, to Charlotte. So I thought it was they couldn't keep Rozier, and I think they had Marcus Smart as their backup point guard, so they didn't really need to keep uh, Smart. I mean, it was, keep Rozier. They lost Horford, but Horford signed for $25 million a year for, for four years. He averages 13.6 rebounds, and he went to the Sixers, which was a surprise. But I still think the Celtics, I like the Celtics. Like, I still think Walker's yeah. going to be great. Like, as much as I think the Nets were saying, the Nets are the winners, the Nets are winners, Celtics getting Walker, when you see them day in and day out, when they win 60 games, people are going to be, wow, Walker really fits in with this team. And I agree with you. And you just brought up the uh, 76ers, they're going to look a lot different next year as well. They're going to look different because they signed Horford, and I. but I'm not sold on them. Everyone, I'm seeing people think the Sixers are going to win the East, and I'm not. Butler carried that team last year. He really year. did. And Tobias Harris is a nice player. He was, he was, he's been traded like by uh, Orlando, Milwaukee, the Clippers, and Detroit. And he was just signed for a four, five-year, $180 million contract. This guy... I mean, he's 26 years old. He's been traded five times, but he gets a five-year, $180 million contract. I don't know. He doesn't seem like a player to me that, that is going to be. He's okay. He's like a complimentary player, uh, a lot of money, um, and I just don't – they have – Simmons doesn't shoot. They're going to count a lot on Embiid, and they bring in and they bring in a Horford, and Horford's like, again, 13.7 rebounds, good locker room guy, gets rebounds. I'm not sold on this team. Then they lost J.J. Redick, another great shooter on the team. I think the Sixers are actually worse than they were last year not having Butler on that team. Um, real quick before we get to uh, Howard Beck, um, the Heat, the, this team has been in interesting shape for a long time and kind of like a purgatory, but they might be finally seeing some light at the end of the tunnel. The Heat have been chasing superstars for so long. They've been trying to get Gordon Hayward. Of course, they, I mean, ever, ever since they lost LeBron, they've been searching. They've been like searching for that star. They wanted to get Jimmy Butler. They've tried with the salary cap situation. Got to give Riley credit. They just did like a four trade team deal with so, so many crazy machinations. But Jimmy Butler wanted to play. He turned down a max money. Again, he gave up $40 million to go to the Sixers to come to the Heat. He wanted to play for the Heat. And they were able to get rid of Whiteside, uh, which is was a problem on the team anyway. Addition by Subtraction. Right, and, and and the idea is is Butler could Butler come in now? Butler is tough with these young players. He's bounced around between Chicago and 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 Minnesota and in Philadelphia, and he's a his tar player, a good player, but. Is he the is he the player? Is he going to be take the Heat to the next level? But now you see the Heat. We're going to ask Howard about this about Bradley Beal. I mean, the Heat now are seeing if Leonard leaves the East, the East could be open. They bring another star in this game. This East could be theirs. I would love to see it happen because I've become a de facto Heat fan. You know, just living down here in South Florida uh, for over a decade now. Um, it's time to bring him in. It's Howard Beck from Bleacher Report. Um, Howard, thank you so much for joining us today. You must have been uh, quite quite busy the last day or so. <laughs> I think we all have been, uh, but yeah, it's been uh, quite a roller coaster for the NBA over the last 24 hours. I've never seen anything like it. I thought I'd seen everything. Um, this league manages to always surprise you. I, I, you know, last night, if it had just been Durant and Kyrie Irving going to Brooklyn, that would have been one thing. But just deals left and right. I mean, I just the, the sheer volume to say nothing of the the, the talent that was moving yeah. around uh, is incredible. I, I really don't think there's been another. Day or, or first night of free agency quite like it. Yeah, even in any sport, <laughs> just NBA. This has been nuts. Ira, what do you have for uh, for Howard? Uh, I get Kevin. The first question. Thanks, Howard, for coming on my show. I really appreciate it. Um, Kevin Durant. 
I mean, the Warriors felt like for the last three years, there has been a recruiting pitch to keep him there, to sign that long-term deal. They were unable to get it done. In the end, what, what reasons do you think that he wasn't able to, he wasn't, they offered him way more money. I mean, it looks like the contract, I mean, if you analyze it, it didn't seem like the Nets were even paying him the full max because he, with incentives because they wanted to fit Jordan's contract in there, that maybe he left maybe $80 million on the table. Why were the Warriors not able to keep Kevin Durant? Well, let's start by just putting aside the money. I mean, the, the money has gotten to be so astronomical in the NBA that what we've seen the last few years is that guys are willing to sometimes take the haircut because the difference between, you know, 160 versus 140, you're still getting 140. I mean, back in the day when it was like, oh, 90 versus 60, well, you know, or something like that, it, it felt like you were leaving a, a massive percentage on the table. Now, no matter what you do, you're still making well over $100 million, over $200 million and over over the course of a couple of contracts. Um, so I think it's easier for guys to, to leave money on the table than it once was. And so it's, it's almost negated bird rights for max-level players because suddenly that extra year and the higher raises that the league allows for you to keep your player, it's just not compelling enough for a lot of these guys. So that's the first part. In terms of, the, of the Durant and the Warriors, it just had run its course. Um, this happens. Durant went there with certain goals in mind, certainly, and with a vision in mind that the Warriors played a brand of basketball that, that looked joyful and looked like a lot of fun to, to be part of. And he rode that, and they won a couple of championships. And in the end, you know, he he just, you know, they all wore each other out a little bit, I think. And, you know, Durant is, is a different kind of guy, and I don't think he was quite accustomed to the level of scrutiny that went along with a team in that size market, which is funny because he's coming to New York. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I, from what I'm told, he didn't like the fact that it, it, it's not just the drama of which he was a contributor. So again, you know, I, he should look at himself if he's trying to get away from the drama, but it was also just the idea that the warriors, as, as it was explained to me, you know, they'll feed it. They don't mind feeding it. They don't mind. As Steve Curry said, they, they're all like characters in a, in a drama and you just got to have to kind of accept that if you're part of the NBA. Well, Durant doesn't like that aspect of the Warriors culture where they're willing to talk about all the stuff that's going on and, and they talk about social issues and political issues and everything else. It's just Durant, from what, again, from what I was told, and I wrote this on Bleacher Report, you know, for a story that we posted today, he just wants to be about the basketball now. He, that's, he just wants it simple, just about the basketball. And the, and the Nets have a Spurs like culture created by Sean Marks, who came from the Spurs where it's it's pretty simple and nobody talks about their business publicly it's it's a pretty tight-lipped organization um in the model of the spurs and i think that appealed to durant but also he wanted to play with kyrie irving this is no no small part of this it, it, it needs to be really strongly underlined he wanted to play with kyrie irving they wanted to play together kyrie wanted to play with kd too and kyrie was definitely more set on on brooklyn than new york so there's that part of the decision and, you know, once Durant had decided he was going to, to play with Kyrie and not play with the Warriors, then it was just a matter of, you know, doing the math and it landed them in Brooklyn. Well, then, and it leads to the next question is that we, as we started our show talking about the Knicks. I mean, it's one thing for the Knicks not to sign a free agent. It's another thing not to even get meetings. And I mean, they, I mean, I, I just, I was shocked that they couldn't even sit down and have the pitch and have Spike Lee come in and all the celebrities and, and take him to the garden. I mean, they, they haven't, they didn't get a chance to pitch Kemba Walker. Uh, what, I mean, it, it's not just, it cannot just be just James Dolan. There had to be a reason why nobody, none of the top tier free agents wanted to come to the, to the Knicks. So a bunch of things there. Um, one, 
I would just point out that nobody's doing meetings anymore. I mean, it looks like Kawhi might have some meetings. But whereas, you know, in 2010, LeBron had everybody march to Cleveland to come meet with him before he made his choice. And, you know, Durant had everybody come to the Hamptons a few years ago. This year, everybody just decided where they were going. Jimmy said, I want to go to Miami, figure out a way to sign and trade me to Miami. And Kemba Walker said, oh, there's a vacancy in Boston. I'm going to Boston. And it just kind of, that's the way this all unfolded. So, one, for whatever reason, this year, it wasn't about, you know, woo me, give me PowerPoint presentations and bring in your, your local celebrities and, and, and show me a cute video. It wasn't, that just wasn't the agenda for anybody. So I'm going to let the Knicks off the hook on that note because nobody was really meeting with anybody. Um, when it comes to why the Knicks can't get free agents, I mean, again, I, I, as I wrote today, for Katie and Kyrie, which was the package deal that the Knicks themselves wanted, the package deal that they themselves had in mind when they traded Chris Apps for Zingas to offload a bunch of salary back in February. Uh, those two guys looked hard at the Knicks and looked at the Nets, and they said, this is not even close. The Nets have a foundation. The Nets have a winning culture. The Nets have a solid front office that has a vision and a plan and that have put together a team with a bunch of you know hardworking, overachieving guys who have great chemistry, and they made the playoffs. And the Knicks had none of that. And, you know, the very it's, it's almost a, a, a kind of a, a cruel irony here or just it's, uh, you know, the, the, the example of Katie and Kyrie passing up the Knicks um, just re, reemphasizes what the Knicks are doing wrong. It, you know, they, they couldn't get these guys because they haven't done it right. And not getting these guys shows once more that they're still not getting it right. <laughs> uh, they, they needed to build a foundation first. That's what the Clippers have been doing. And maybe they get Kawhi, Kawhi and maybe they don't. But even if the Clippers don't get Kawhi, they've still got a nice foundation that they can keep building on and flexibility and extra uh, draft picks to use and all kinds of stuff. The Nets were building it in a way that, that also was attractive. And the Knicks just could not compete with that. They, 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 you know, if, you were, if the two of them, Kyrie and Katie, were going to the Knicks, even if Katie were healthy, there's just not a great supporting cast because the Knicks haven't done a very good job of constructing one. So that puts a lot of pressure on R.J. Barrett. I mean, I, I'm a, a, I went to Duke Law School, so I'm a huge Duke fan, and it's just interesting having watched uh, R.J. this past year to think there's a lot on his shoulders this year. And when I was at the draft and, and the Knicks fans are going to be looking at him, well, look, we didn't get Zion, we didn't get Durant, we didn't get Kyrie. It's all on you, R.J., and that's a lot to put on a 19-year-old uh, uh, player to put the, the whole hopes and, and dreams of the entire Knicks fandom. I've been in this city for 15 years, and I've seen a lot of – Saviors come and go, savior in quotes. Um, you know, coaches who were supposed to be the savior, team presidents who were supposed to be the savior, players who were supposed to be the savior. And, yeah, I, I don't envy R.J. Barrett um, or even Kevin Knox, who had a, a pretty lousy rookie year, but still Knicks fans are, are kind of counting on the idea that he's going to make a big step, Dennis Smith Jr. is going to make a big step, and R.J. Barrett, and this is their core of the future, and maybe it will be. Um, I don't believe in Ennis Smith Jr. Most of the league doesn't either. People are pretty much off of him at this point. And Knox had a pretty, you know, like I say, you know, rough rookie season. We'll see what, what happens. I mean, I'll give the Knicks this much. They, they whiffed on all the stars. And after clearing all this cap room and after sacrificing their best young player in Porzingis, I don't necessarily like the way that they just started grabbing players off of the free agent market last night, but I, I like several of the players they got, and 
in their defense, and I assume this is what they're going for, they're going to at least stabilize themselves a little bit. They're coming off a 17-win season, and to get you know Reggie Bullock and Julius Randle and Taj Gibson and Wayne Ellington to, to, to at least have some semblance of a, a veteran uh, you know, architecture around their young guys to teach them good habits, to take some pressure off of them, to hopefully win a few more games you know, it should be, you know, a productive way forward. I mean, they're not, they're still, you know, this is like a 25 win team at best probably, but it at least won't be as just unstructured and, you know, uh, and, and, and aimless as last season. So it, it is, it's not great progress, but it's progress. And, and as I say, I, I, there is, I think some method to the madness and at least getting some veterans in there who can play. I was surprised. A lot of the commentators today, they were all like, well, the Sixers now have positioned themselves as the favorite in the East. And I'm like, well, really, they lost Jimmy Butler, who was their best player in the playoffs. Tobias Harris for five years, $180 million. I'm just, I mean, he's been traded, as we said, five times. Um, Josh Richardson, we, we're down here in West Palm Beach. We've, we see Josh Richardson play, and, and, and that's, there's a reason why the Heat have been trying to get, Heat have not been pleased with him. And now you lose J.J. Redick, and then they bring in Al Horford because they think he's going to be a good – he's going to somehow going to motivate Embiid. But everything depends on Ben Simmons learning how to shoot from the outside and Embiid being in shape. And that's a lot. I mean, they're getting they're, – when is that going to happen? And that's, to say that they're the favorite to win a title thinking those two things are going to happen, I think that's a stretch. I mean, you know, we do this silly thing where we try to proclaim favorites on July 1st when free agency is not even over yet. Um, we don't know where Kawhi Leonard is going to be yet. I mean, people have installed and in Vegas installed the Lakers as favorites as soon as they got Anthony Davis, despite the fact they only have three players. Um, <laughs> and last I checked, you need at least five, uh, probably more. Um, so, I mean, I don't really care. I don't, I don't care who's, who's – it, 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 it doesn't matter right now. Um, there's still a lot of, of maneuvering to happen for these teams. Uh, the Raptors will be the favorites in the East if Kawhi Leonard stays. If Kawhi Leonard leaves, the Sixers are going to be at minimum co-favorites. It'll be them and the Milwaukee Bucks, maybe the Celtics. Um, you know, I, I don't know who else to put in that mix. It's going to be interesting to see what the Pacers are with – uh, Oladipo coming back off of uh, his injury. Um, you know, we'll see who else can get in the mix in, in the East. But the Sixers are right there. That's starting five. Look, Horford's got some age and injury issues, and they got to keep him, you know, uh, whole. They got should should load management him as much as they can during the season. But that's a pretty nice looking starting five. And and you know, we can pick apart where you know. Each guy has some holes in his game or whatever. It doesn't matter. That's a really talented starting five. It's a lot of firepower. It's a lot of versatility. It's a lot of size. Um, they're just going to be able to overwhelm some teams defensively. So, no, the Sixers are right in there. They are at, at a minimum, um, you know, in the second tier in the East and quite possibly first tier, depending on what Kawhi does. So then we can ask, we're down, as we're down here, we're talking to Howard Beck from Bleacher Report on Iron Sports. Um, the question would be with the Heat. Uh, finally, they were able to get their big name free agent that they wanted in Jimmy Butler. They've been after Butler, it seems like, for the last three years, uh, and we've heard about that. And, and they actually trade Whiteside, who nobody in Miami wanted to stay here. They're excited by that tremendously. What, where do you think the Heat are going in now? And, and give us maybe some indication on Bradley Beal from Washington. Can they bring another superstar in? It, it seems like almost impossible without that they had to have a four-team trade to get uh, to Butler. But where do, you, where do you see the Heat right now? Well, on Beal, I've seen and heard no indication that they have any desire to move him, Washington. Um, 
you know, they, they move him, it's, it's pretty much they've got nothing left to sell to, to get people in the seats. I mean, I, I don't, you know, and, and they've got no, you know, there, there's really no future hope there. John Wall is, is you know, a, a lost cause at this point. Um, so I don't think they're moving Beal. Uh, if they do, they're going to want and should get a boatload in return. And I don't think the Heat have the assets to get that done. I don't, I don't see it. Um, maybe you've got an idea that I, I haven't considered. Um, where are the Heat? I, I don't know. I, I mean, the play for Jimmy Butler was a curious one to me. And, and listen, I love the fact they got off of Whiteside finally. Um, and, you know, swapping out Richardson for Butler is obviously an improvement. But where does that leave them? I mean, th- this is not a contending team. Um, they're certainly, you know, now in the, at least in the, in the mix for the playoffs in the Eastern Conference where after the top five or six, it, it starts to fall off. But I don't, I don't know what this team is right now. Um, I don't know if there's another move to come behind it. Um, you know that Spolster will get the most out of the group, and I think they'll be, they'll be very, very good. I, I just don't know what the ceiling is yet. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, I think we've been waiting. It's, it seems like it's finally they got the star. I mean, that's what they, they were messed up in the heat with, with the Bosch. With, I mean, certainly the Bosch illness uh, and when LeBron leaving coupled with Bosch, Bosch's illness was a, was a serious problem and, and sort of messed up because they traded drop for Drogic at the same time they got, they, they, uh, they had Bosch and gave him the contract. But uh, moving to the West a little bit, one other team that, I, that I'm excited for, I think the Jazz and what they have done in this offseason and bringing in Bojanovic and Conley, uh, small moves that people aren't talking about. But, it, you know, with their line, with the core they have right now, and Quinn Snyder is a phenomenal coach, it seems like the Jazz have positioned themselves in a great, a great place. Utah's had a fantastic offseason so far. Um, they, they are right. I mean, if we're going to list, you know, if we've got a short list of, of winners of this offseason, Utah is right up there near the top. Um, getting Conley was fantastic. As you mentioned, Bogdanovich, uh, you know, great shooter. Um, that's a team now that was already elite defensively. They needed more shooting. They got it. Mike Conley is a, a big upgrade over Ricky Rubio, and I love Rubio, but, but you know, he, he can't score and shoot the way that Conley does. Um, and, and Conley's just got a way of, 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 you know, uplifting everybody around him. That's going to be a really good team. And in this post warriors world, which is, you know, at least for the moment, what we're, we're dealing with until further notice, the West is now open and Utah has as much acclaim to the West as anybody right now. Um, and maybe more so I, I really like what they've got and, you know, it, it's, it's going to be a dogfight and, we haven't had that in a while. So, you know, like I know Houston had the better regular season record a year ago. I know they took the Warriors to Game 7 in the conference finals and all that. But we have felt an inevitability of the Warriors for the last several years. And, you know, again, there's still work to be done. We'll see if, you know, LeBron and AD get help, whether that's Kawhi, whether that's a bunch of role players of, of what's left. Um, they've missed out on a lot of possibilities while waiting for Kawhi. If Kawhi goes to the Clippers, they're in contention as well. Uh, the Denver Nuggets can be in contention. The Rockets, like it, it's really interesting in the West right now. And you've been you've covered this is Howard back from the Bleacher Report. You've covered the in L.A. and in New York. But 
Persingas, Christoph Persingas has been an interesting character because a lot of people, they didn't they booed him at draft night, but then everyone fell in love with him and then sort of fell out of love with him a little bit. And then he's traded. And it seems like what he's trying to do with Luka Doncic, and I saw, of course, Luka play last year, and he, he looks fantastic. And I think people are really intrigued with this pairing. And, of course, the Mavericks, it wasn't a surprise, extended him uh, for the max. But what's your opinion how that pairing between Persingas and Doncic will be for next year? Uh, there's there are aspects of it where you look at it and you think this should just be a, an incredible one-two punch. Like these guys, are, they're, they're young, they're talented, um, and they they could lead the Mavericks on you know another you know decade-long run of playoff appearances and 50-win seasons uh, the way that they did with Dirk. That's a that is that is one possibility, and it is obviously what the Mavericks see as 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 their future. There's a bunch of question marks. Um, you know, Porzingis obviously is coming back from the ACL. He's seven three. We've never seen a seven three guy play the way he plays, much less try to come back from an ACL and then play the way he plays. So we'll see. You know what Porzingis looks like. We haven't. You know, it's, it's been a year and a half almost already since we last saw him on the court. So uh, you know, we we won't know until the fall what he looks like, much less how he meshes with Luka Doncic. But I think those two should be a fantastic combination together their, their games should be uh should mesh very well they still need i think some uh you know a little bit more support around them um but we'll 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 see the other thing is that you know porzingis before he went down last season or excuse me two seasons ago a year and a half ago with the knicks you know he was certainly you know a great scorer and especially from outside shot blocker he was a little bit of a black hole in offense, not much of a passer. And, and, you know, there's, there's still a lot, even though he made an all-star team, there's still a lot of, of evolving for Porzingis to do as a guy who's a featured player on a team. And that got kind of short circuited by his injury. And so now we haven't seen him in a while. So, you know, he's playing for an incredible coach, you know, in, in Rick Carlisle, who I, I know will put him in the best position to succeed. I think that the future is really bright for the Mavericks, you know, pending those, those, you know, caveats I, I listed. Thanks a lot. Howard, just one final question would be, um, what player, what signing do you think, besides the Durant and, and the major signing, is there a player that signing that you think is like a sort of under the radar that by the end of next year, we're like, wow, that was the difference maker. That was a great signing. Is there, is there one of these signings that we were sort of missing that's out there that, that this player is going to be the perfect fit for that team? Oh man, there's like like 150 signings I feel like in the last 24 hours. So I'm like now trying to think like where's the uh, where's the below the radar clever one to to look at. I'm not even like, honestly off the top of my head. I'd have to like pull up uh, the entire list to even look at it. I, there's there's nothing that hits me right off the bat, and I'm sure there is one. It's just there's. You know, my my brain is full at this. Point. What about JJ Redick to the Pelicans with Zion? I mean, it seems like Zion yeah. Zion will have double teams all the time. He's impossible to defend. Redick is this great shooter, and I, and Zion's a willing passer. I mean, I think I mean every game he's probably gonna have five threes from Zion passing him the ball. It just seems to be that that seems like, and he only signed for two years. What twenty six million dollars? That that seemed to me like a really good signing. Him. Redick is great, and and you're right. He's a perfect fit there. Um, not only that, but a guy who's been around, he's seen everything, he's been on you know deep playoff teams, and he's joining a team that has a, a lot of youth. But listen, the Pelicans have done a phenomenal job this offseason. They got every last possible asset from the Lakers in that Anthony Davis trade, despite presumably having no leverage since Anthony Davis demanded out and wanted to go to L.A. specifically. But they got all that. They got Derek Favors, who's a, a really nice piece to put next to 
Zion, J.J. Redick, as you pointed out. They've still got Drew Holiday, you know, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram. I mean, there's just a lot there for them to work with. And, you know, um, you know, yeah, Redick is, is – I mean, even more so than Redick, I think Derek Favors is, is – if you're looking for the under-the-radar one that people just kind of like said, oh, okay, that's nice and didn't really think much about it, Favors plays that small ball center he did in Utah – and again, he'll be really nice next to Zion Williamson. Like that's, you know, that's a really nice pickup by the Pelicans. Howard, well, thanks again. So I know this is a really busy time for you. And if you want to read about Howard, go. It, it's Bleacher Report, and you have a pod. Your podcast is what's it? How, how do I find that podcast? The podcast is the Full Forty Eight. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. I interviewed Andre Iguodala hours before he became a Memphis Grizzly. <laughs> yesterday uh to mostly to talk about his book that's out but uh, but yeah check that out we had a great conversation howard beck uh joining us now you can go ahead and follow him as well at howard beck on twitter thank you so much for stopping by it's seven fifty. this is ira on sports 95.9 the true oldies channel i'm mike balsamo <clears throat> ira before we move on from nba one team we didn't talk about and oddly enough they are the number two favorite in vegas right now it's milwaukee and I, listen i think it's a little strange as well but they looked really good last year. What did, what does um you know their free agency look like so far? And do you agree with uh, Vegas having them up so high? I look. I love Milwaukee last year. I like them this year too. I think they're going to get hurt losing Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, Brogdon signed an enormous contract with Indiana, uh, uh, but uh, but you know for for four years eighty five million dollars. But it, for for a player, so they they couldn't afford to do it. But uh, I they signed Middleton, who is their second best player on the team, but. This is a team that's growing. And they said they re-signed Brooke Lopez, so they got their core with their team. They but and I, and the thing is that Giannis, we think, he's at this high, super high level. If he gets to another level, he's a, and keeps improving. I mean, listen, like Pascal Siakam, he's not been playing basketball that long. He's a young player, and suddenly, if he he can be a, this super duper duper star, and that's going to make the difference. And Middleton has a Middleton one of the best shooters in the league. And I when I look at these signings, I look at who's shooting. I like Badanovich going to Utah. He's a shooter. Uh, Brogdon, I liked him because he's going to the Patriots. He's a shooter. He, I think you're looking for t- people that can make these threes. It's a three point shooting league. I think you got to drain threes. You got to play defense and. And, uh, but I, I think Milwaukee definitely, just because of Giannis, is still, to me, the favorite. If, if, if Kawhi leaves, I think Milwaukee's the favorite in the East. Any other uh, free agent moves you want to touch on before we slide on? Um, the one that I can't understand, the Sacramento Kings signed Harrison Barnes for four years, 85. And I bring that because Harrison Barnes, and I, I think of that because when the Warriors started their run, it was with Harrison Barnes. He mm. was their fifth player. They moved him to the starting lineup and put Ingadal in the back. And then finally, they got rid of Harrison Barnes when he when they lost to the Cavaliers in the playoffs in in, in Game Seven, and they brought Durant in. Mm-hmm. So and now Durant Barnes went to Dallas, and now he's bounced and signed this new contract. And now so he's doing well for himself. But I've never been happy. I've never been a Harrison Barnes fan, but he continues to get these twenty million dollars. He's getting money, which is amazing. Um, real quick, uh, before we touch on a little bit of women's soccer, it should be mentioned that, you know. Just because uh, just because the Knicks couldn't get anything done in free agency doesn't mean that their um, that their roommates at Madison Square Garden couldn't. They got you know uh, what's considered the prize of free agency, Artemi Panarin from Columbus, signed him to a massive deal. He's going to be the highest paid wing in the league. But talk about a fast rebuild for the Rangers. Get the second round pick, who's considered a, a difference maker in Capo Caco. Get the top defenseman available in Jacob Truba, and now. Now, Panarin. Well, that's the that's the discussion they're talking about. James Dolan as the owner of the Knicks, and people yeah. say, "Well, Dolan has to sell the team is terrible." First of all, it's the highest money, as we said before, the highest <laughs> money making team in the NBA. He's not selling the team, but uh, but I, I think that um, 
but but I think that the Rangers were able to get the top free agent. That was great, and 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 shows that the it's, Dolan owns them too. Mm-hmm. He owns both teams. Yeah, people don't even realize. I guess because he's not. Uh, well, because hockey's not as big either, but he's just his face isn't plastered everywhere like it is with the Knicks. But yeah, it's the same ownership, so you can't really, you know, you can't blame him because hockey players don't seem to mind New York. Um, you know, being a Broadway blue shirt has a draw, whereas going to play in the Mecca quite doesn't, as we said before. Um, Team USA is going to try to move on to the finals. They're going to play England tomorrow at 3 p.m. That'll be on Fox. And I got to tell you, I, I I really love watching this team. I just love the U.S. Women's National Team. Well, I mean. They beat France 2-1, and it was one of those games where it was exciting because they're playing in France, and it was one of the first times USA women had played where they, you, know, you could bet, and they, they were they were sort of like even. Like some mm-hmm. having them favorite, some did not favor because France is at home, France was the favorite. It's weird that the two best teams in the tournament were playing in the quarterfinals, but that's just how it worked out. And Megan Rapino, but getting, of course, the goal early was key, and jumping out yeah, to 1-0 goal minute, yeah. in the sixth minute. And she uh, and then um, in the second half, they had, that, they had a fast break to go up 2-0. France scored on a header with the 81st minute, but just, it felt like that they could hang on and win um but no this this team they have a lot of goal scorers they they have a lot of energy and i think france was the the one team that people thought because usually the american women play and everybody's cheering them they're great everyone loves and but this was one where they were sort of getting they were the negative they were the team that that uh maybe 50 50 in the crowd but it didn't really affect them and they maybe focused them a little bit more and they should be a heavy favorite now to win the title yeah no they, they definitely are um Netherlands has a decent team there on the other side of the bracket, but yeah, if they get through England now, you, you'd really hope that uh, the U.S. women can bring it home once again. It's 7.55, Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel. So, Ira, here's an interesting fact for you. Did you know that the first ever baseball game in England outscored the first ever football game in England? How well, crazy I be- is I be- that? Well, I believe it because I'm the only pr- I get up you know very early to watch those games, and they were terribly— I mean, it's amazing. Why does it? Why do we keep— Sending sports over to England and, and like it's always the worst football games. There haven't been great games at all. And now this baseball game. Anyone who watched that seventeen, I mean that game lasted. It's one of the longest baseball games I've ever Two seen. Two and a half hours for three innings. It, the whole game was over six hours. Yeah. It was seventeen thirteen, and then on Sunday it was twelve eight, and the and the Yankees scored nine runs in the seventh. And it wasn't the home runs. It was just there must be Bad something. pitching. Bad pitching. I think there's something with the mound. I think there was one issue where everyone, the pitchers seemed to be having trouble. This is what my reading of it was. It mm. seemed like the pitchers were having trouble with the mound because they never play games there. It's not a baseball stadium, mm. so they threw a mound up there. The pitchers are having trouble, so they're taking miles per hour off their pitches. They're not comfortable, and the hitters were then hitting it. I mean, it wasn't like they were hitting any more home runs than you have in a normal ballpark, but these runs, I mean, 30 runs one day, 20 runs the next day is ridiculous. I mean, but it was great. I mean, it was nice for one respect in that everybody watched the game. It was in England. And it was also it wasn't like San Diego and Texas. It mm. was actually are the two premier franchises. Now it was interesting. Boston gave up two home games for that, um, they, and 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 those were their home games. So they, I'm not too happy about losing two games that they could have been playing in Fenway Park rather than England. But it's about branding and about their name and the websites and everything. Yeah, no, I mean it. it it's funny because a lot of people who don't know soccer we'll say, oh, God, soccer games take forever. Then we go to England and play a 15-hour baseball game. <laughs> it kind of didn't represent us uh, you know, so good in, in that argument. Do you happen to remember what the first ever NFL game in Europe was? Who played, I mean? Jacksonville? It was Giants in Miami, I think. Because oh, wow. I remember that it was, you know, they will only play in Miami every eight years because, you know, you play the AFC, but it's home and away every four years per division. And I was like, oh, Giants are going to be down here in Miami, and they weren't because that was a, a Dolphins home game, and they were in England for that, so I missed out. Um, Wimbledon is underway, and there's some big shockers out. Uh, one of the Williams sisters got bounced by a 15-year-old. 
Well, this Corey Goff, I mean, that is amazing. I mean, we that's I mean, 15 years I I have I haven't heard about her and it's from Delray uh, Beach. Yes, and we'll get her on. I mean, uh, Venus uh, it was surprising because <laughs> this is her favorite surface and she's 39. It was interesting. She's 39 and the and Corey is 15. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty amazing. She age started different. playing because of Venus Williams. <laughs> Unbelievable. She's like, I wanted to tell her how much she's impressed in the interview. She goes, I wanted to talk to her, but I was always afraid. Well, you end up beating her in a tennis match. Well, maybe Venus will talk to you then. But I mean, Venus was very gracious and she's been great for tennis and, and it was just a, a shocking loss. But Osaka, the number two seed, lost today, 7-5-6-2. Osaka had won the U.S. Open. Osaka won the Australian Open. She had run gone to number one, but that was a big surprise and, and she's she looked terrible in her match. I mean, it was a, she got totally blown out. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, we'll see exactly how how the – I mean, I love Wimbledon. This is the first week, and it started today. Uh, they don't start on Sundays. They play on Sundays. So um, that was exciting. And on the men's side, see, this is – the way they do it is now Nadal and Federer are going to play in the semifinals if they meet. And Djokovic on his side of the draw has nobody. Yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, I looked at this, and today – Tsitsipas from Greece, who is this great young player who's underperforming, and Dimitrov lost, and Monfils lost. They were all on, on all these players are losing on Djokovic's side. I really think Djokovic has almost a, I'm telling you, it's Kevin Anderson in the semifinals, but he should be a heavy favorite to make it to the finals, whereas Nadal has to play maybe Silic, who won the US Open a few years ago back, who's really good on grass in the round of 16, and then Thiem, who I talk about being this great player in the mm. quarterfinals, and then he has to play Federer, and then and if they he makes it, and so it'll be it's it, I mean, hopefully it's Djokovic versus Federer and Nadal again and hopefully Federer and Nadal meet in the semifinals. But we'll, we'll know that in two weeks we can we'll have sort of a better idea after after Monday. Uh, before we wrap this up, Ira, some really sad news uh, breaking across baseball. Tyler Skaggs, pitcher for the um, Los Angeles Angels, is found uh, dead in his hotel room in Texas. That game against uh, against the Rangers is going to be postponed. Really sad news. 27, they don't know. They say no foul play suspected. So who knows what, what could be happening here? Well, we talked about this when David Ortiz got shot. I remember when Lyman Bostock for the Angels was, was shot and killed just inadvertently uh, or actually was, was mistaken in terms of what it is. And it was, it was terrible. He was, I think, 27 years old at the time, too. They don't know what happened. I, certainly my condolences. It's very sad when this happens in, 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 in life, in any sport. Um, and uh, But I know they canceled that game, and, and I don't know when they're going to resume playing. Yeah. Did he, happen to- he just pitched. He pitched yeah. this weekend. He pitched well. I think it was two days ago. Um, I don't know if you did happen to see the update on uh, David Ortiz, and what apparently happened there was it, it was a hit on the guy next to him, and whoever the hitman was mistook or misfired and shot David Ortiz, but it was some kind of inside gang stuff, and uh, it was a $30,000 hit that got David Ortiz shot. Didn't know if uh, didn't know if you caught that, but uh, and we do have uh, Kevin Looney breaking news uh, from Bleacher Report returning to the Warriors, so they get a little bit of uh, a little bit of a boost in the backcourt there. Well, Looney, who I didn't think played well last the year before, played well this year, and it's someone they had to bring back, and it's going to be really interesting with the Warriors. They're moving into the new arena. Um, Clay, of course, we didn't even mention it. Clay Thompson resigned, so yeah. he's going to be back. Max but he, deal, but yeah. and look, he has he has an ACL. People said, well, he's probably going to be out. I th- if any person could come back fast, he's probably in the best shape of anybody in the NBA. He works harder than anybody. I, I could have seen him back in like December. Like I wouldn't be surprised if the season starts as like Clay Thompson's back. I mean, he's like this Adrian Peterson type of work mm-hmm. ethic. And you saw he tore his ACL and wanted to go back in the game. You, and you saw the recovery from hamstring. And uh, I, I, it was, but that's interesting with Looney. And we're, we're going to see this every now and then. These players mentioned, I mean, what happened on Sunday was amazing. But where Kawhi goes, and, and it just seems like he's going to go to the Lakers. I mean, it just seems like that's what's going to happen. And 
and it's why the West is wide open, but I don't know how wide open is be if you're going to have Leonard and Anthony Davis and Kawhi Leonard on the or LeBron James on the same it, team. It definitely takes some of the wide openness out of that. You think we'll have a decision by uh, our show next week? Yes, but I don't think it's going to be in a day. I think it'll. I think Kawhi is going to take his time on this, and I think he's meeting with the different teams. So I don't. I don't. I think he will take his time. Um, but the Lakers. But every time when you see the Lakers not making moves, like if you see the Lakers start signing players, you know they're out of the sweepstakes. But I think if he was going to go back to Toronto, he would have gone back, mm-hmm. and that's why I think it's. I think it's the Lakers now, and I think he's just trying to get comfortable with his decision uh, to go there. Maybe there's a last-minute pitch by James Dolan of the Knicks land him. That'd be, uh, be pretty exciting. Highly doubt it, though. Ira, where are you headed this week? Uh, probably some baseball games. I'm not sure, but it, but it would be maybe the Yankees play the Mets on Monday and Tuesday mm-hmm. or tomorrow, and that should be an interesting game. I want to thank Howard Beck of Bleacher Report so much for stopping by. On behalf of Ira, I'm Mike. Let's talk next Monday night. It's Ira on Sports.